Europe. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. Good morning and welcome to the middle of the week. This is Wednesday's Money Talk on Radio 3 on the 16th of March. The time's 8.03 in Hong Kong. This is Peter Lewis with the day's business headlines. China's industrial output, retail sales and fixed asset investment data came in better than expected for the combined January to February period. Retail sales grew by 6.7%, surging past economists' expectations of 3%. The figure was the best since June and compared with 1.7% growth in December. Industrial production grew by 7.5% from a year earlier, up from 4.3% growth in December. The People's Bank of China unexpectedly left the rate on the one-year medium-term lending facility unchanged on Tuesday. The PBOC offered 200 billion yuan worth of one-year MLF loans to some financial institutions at 2.8%, 2.85% unchanged from the previous operation. The European Commission warned that EU growth will be severely impacted by the disruption stemming from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The warning came as economic sentiment in Germany, Europe's largest economy, plunged the most in 31 years. The Zoo Research Institute said its gauge of investor expectations for the German economy had fallen from 54.3 in February to minus 39.3 in March, taking it close to the all-time low reached in March 2020. U.S. producer prices rose at a record annual pace last month, keeping the Fed on track to raise interest rates this week. The producer price index, which measures the prices businesses receive for their goods and services, rose 10% compared with February last year, the highest since records began in 2010. Core producer prices, which strip out volatile items such as food, energy and trade, increased 6.6% in February from the previous year, down from 6.9% in January. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Iris Pang from ING Wholesale Banking, Mark Toe of Wing Fung Financial Group, and RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street, US shares rebounded Tuesday as oil prices slid back below $100 a barrel. The S&P 500 rose for the first time in four days, adding 2.1% to 4,262. The Dow jumped 599 points to 33,544. The Nasdaq Composite gained 2.9% to end the day at 12,949. In Europe, the Stock 600 Index dropped a third of a percent. London's FTSE 100 slipped 0.2%. Hong Kong stocks closed sharply lower yesterday following the previous day's massive sell-off. About four and a half trillion US dollars has now been wiped from the value of mainland Chinese and Hong Kong shares since the peak last year. The Hang Seng Index tumbled 1,117 points or 5.7%, dropping below the 19,000 level to 18,415, the lowest close since February 2016. 
and in its most volatile day ever. The Hang Seng Tech Index plunged as much as 8.4%, then rebounded into positive territory before losing all the gains once again to close down 8.1% at a new record low. And the tech index is now down almost 30% in March, wiping out 460 billion US dollars of market value. Tencent tumbled 10.2% to below 300 Hong Kong dollars. That's the lowest since December 2018. Alibaba plummeted almost 12% in Hong Kong to hit another all-time low since its debut in November 2019. An index of Macau casino operators fell more than 11% for the second day in a row. And the China Real Estate Owners and Developers Index, a gauge of property developers, fell 10% to 10% to the lowest close in almost a decade. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite slumped almost 5%, breaking below 31,000 to, th- to th- breaking below 3,100 to 3,064. That's the lowest level since July 2020. And in Shenzhen, the Chinex tumbled 2.6%. Investors dumped Chinese shares at the fastest pace in 20 months yesterday. The Stock Connect scheme between Hong Kong and mainland China recorded net sales of more than 16 billion renminbi, that's 2.5 billion US dollars, the most since July 2020, bringing total divestment for the week to more than 30 billion yuan. In the commodities markets, oil prices fell below $100 a barrel for the first time since March the 1st on expectations that the lockdowns in China could slow demand by the mainland, which is the world's largest importer of crude. Brent crude oil dropped 7% to $98.60 a barrel. Gold slipped almost 2% to $1,918 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield rose one basis point to 2.15%, its highest level since July 2019. And in the currency markets, the euro is trading at $1.95 cents. The buck's at 118.3 Japanese yen. Sterling is worth $1.30.5 and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 21 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.38 and a third in offshore markets and Bitcoin is up 2% to $39,400. Around Asian stock markets, in Australia, the SX200 up 0.4%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 has risen 0.8% at the open. The Cosby is up over 1%. Uh, the Nasdaq Golden Dragon Index of US-listed Chinese shares rebounded 5% overnight following three consecutive days of falls over 10%. And ADRs listed in New York are suggesting the Hang Seng could rebound about 550 points at the open later on this morning. It's 8.10. Let's welcome our Wednesday morning guests we have with us on the phone. Iris Pang, Chief Greater China Economist at ING Wholesale Banking. Morning, Iris. Morning, Peter. And also with us is Mark Toe, Managing Director of Asset Management at Wing Fung Financial Group. Morning to you, Mark. Morning. And on the phone from Washington, D.T., our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Morning, Barry. Good morning, Peter. Um, let's start with China's economy. Industrial output, retail sales, fixed asset investment data all came in better than expected for the January to February period, which smooths out the impact of the Lunar New Year holidays. 
Retail sales grew point six, grew by 6.7% compared to economists' expectations of 3% and 1.7% growth in December. Industrial production, that grew by 7.5% from a year earlier, up from 4.3% growth in December. That was the fastest pace since June. And fixed asset investments, which measures spending on infrastructure, property, machinery and equipment, rose by 12.2% in the first two months of the year, the fastest pace since July. However, the data did highlight some of the stresses in the property sector. Property investment climbed 3.7% year-on-year, slowing from 4.4% in the period from December to January. Residential property sales in January and February plunged 22.1% year-on-year compared to a rise of 5.3% in the previous two-month period. And finally, the survey jobless rate, which doesn't include the migrant workers, stood at 5.5% in February, up from 5.3% in January. Um, Iris, this data, is it a surprise for you? What do you make of it? Really, really a surprise, um, especially for retail sales. Although the, the um, fixed asset investment growth rate jumped most among the three indicators, but... I believe that the most surprising for all of us is actually retail sales because um, we had expected retail sales to be around 3% year-on-year growth in January to February because of the restrictive people flows during winter holiday, um, which clashes with the Chinese New Year um, holiday. It seems that um, when we look at the details of the retail sales, most growth was in gasoline and it doesn't uh, only point to increasing gasoline prices but more uh, the more usage of gasoline um, by people traveling by car which means people um, trapped in their work cities uh, are most likely ha- uh, had short trips for the holiday which hints that the middle income class has kept up spending. Does this explain why the People's Bank of China didn't raise the rate on its uh, medium-term loan facility yesterday? Yeah, you're right. Because um, I think uh, the the thing is that the data is so good that there is no basis for the for the PBOC, the central bank, to to cut interest rates. Mark, what do you make of the data? Do you think the good news can last? Well, uh, uh, thanks for having me. I tend to think that the um, it, it shows uh, rather the uh, uh, determination or the extent to which uh, the uh, uh, the policymakers can have that kind of micromanaging, uh, the the especially the the, uh, the the planning for the short to medium term in response to the crisis or uh, for for preemptive action, so to speaking, uh, so so to speak. Uh, because uh, it happens that it just happens that uh, after the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the the government has been doing quite a lot in uh, different industries, in different sectors, uh, to try to uh, you may say to deflate uh, the, the the balloon, to deflate the asset bubbles. Uh, the whole uh, uh, the whole philosophy. Uh, although it, it may not last uh, 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 the, uh, in response to your question, but for the very short term, it might work. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, it is interesting that uh, since um, the end of last year, 
some kind of uh, positive uh, actions uh, to to release uh, uh, liquidity or to try to um, allow more freedom in uh, in the in, in in the investment or different kinds of things uh, may be a positive signal. But you know, sometimes uh, the signals uh, in, in in the regulatory bodies have been quite mixed. Uh, for the for the past few years, and and actually it is quite quite norm. So it is hard to say whether it will last. But uh, at, at least for the for for the very short term, uh, maybe it, it has the upper hand compared to the counterparts in 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 the so-called Western countries. Barry, this uh, we badly need this good news on the economic front, don't we? Because the, it seems like the the world economy is coming under more and more pressure. Absolutely, yeah. I think this is great news. Uh, great news from China that you've got this good retail sales number. And by the way, that matches a good number we've had here. We are up 3.8 percent in the latest reporting period. So at least the number one, number two economies in the world are growing, or at least from that measure, growing pretty well. And do you think we're at risk of slipping into recession elsewhere in the world, particularly in Europe, as a result of the war in Ukraine and surging commodity prices? I do. I think there's a real danger of not just European recession, but global recession. And it all really depends on Ukraine. This is a very good fact that the oil price was down 8% today. That's a really good number because uh, it, that is something that almost every economy is vital because consumers have to pay that and it comes out of their pocket. But we've had such a long run of economic growth here. And I think the stock market, you mentioned that $4.5 trillion losses in greater China since the first of the year. I mean, that's an amazing number. And by the way, the NASDAQ is in strong correction territory here. So those market indicators are telling us something. It's not assured that we're going to have a recession, but let's just say we could later this year. What, what do you think, Iris? How much pressure is the global economy now under? We have potentially another problem today because uh, Russia is due to pay $117 million in interest. It could be the first Russian default uh, for, for several decades. I think um, from what we have seen from the CDS market for Russian bonds, it is very likely that, um, that it is uh, going to default on the spawns because otherwise the market wouldn't price in that way. The other thing is that whether it is a global recession or a regional recession, we we still I think we still can't tell because yeah, um, oil price is important, but you know the market um, price is always volatile and sensitive to news uh, at this moment. So uh, it may not be be a lasting indicators. It may move uh, uh, either way uh, along with the news. So, but for um, European um, uh, or or uh, Eastern European recession, I think it is almost in the cards because of the um, conflicts there. Mm. Mark, what's um, what about what's the infa- uh, impact going to be of these lockdowns on the mainland on the the Chinese economy? We've heard fairly dire warnings that it could have a big impact, but at the same time, I'm wondering these lockdowns at the moment are not particularly widespread, are they? And they're, and they're going to be fairly short uh, lasting as well. Is it going to have a big impact on the economy? Uh, judging from the experience, especially in 2020, uh, it seems that uh, the, 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 the mainland is quite uh, capable of 
making that kind of arrangement or uh, management to the, 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 the uh, to to con- to contain uh, the crisis, the uh, the the, uh, the epidemic uh, uh, outburst uh, uh, to a certain extent. So uh, it may not be widely felt uh, in in the uh, economic front. Uh, but of course, if the situation worsens or escalates, uh, it may it may uh, affect uh, the, the the positive trend that that that, that is shown uh, in recent data. But that's that said, uh, the overall market uh, expectations are more uh, anchored to to what is what is happening to to the global uh, perspective. Uh, the you, you, you mentioned the Ukraine situation, you uh, the, or, or the Fed. Uh, uh, actions, all these things. Uh, so at this very moment, even the uh, mainland uh, authorities are more inclined uh, to anchor their expectations or action plans uh, uh, to to adjust themselves uh, towards uh, what is happening uh, to, to the whole world, like uh, the nickel prices, like uh, the other commodities prices. They are going to do things, not uh, uh, particularly uh, addressing their own local issues, but more to the global perspective. Barry, what's the impact of these lockdowns going to be um, for things like global supply chains? Obviously, Shenzhen is uh, one of the cities under lockdown. It's one of China's major ports um, as well. It's also the high-tech hub of China. What's your assessment? Um, Well, I'll tell you this. uh, Sorry, Iris, do you go ahead? Yes, sorry, Barry. Um, So my take is that if there is a case found in Yantan port of in Shenzhen um, that will affect electronics uh, imports and exports. And now uh, Shanghai is also having some cases. If there are cases found in Zhoushan port, which is the largest throughput port in China, then uh, it will affect a very general um, export and import situation in China and affect global supply chain. Harry? Yeah, I was simply going to add uh, to what Iris says. I mean, look, those are very efficient ports. And when you take Shenzhen out of circulation, that's very important. But you've got four or five other ports in China that are major export ports. And the United States situation is not resolved. It's still a big problem in Long Beach, Los Angeles. It's improved. But let's not forget, it takes, uh, what, uh, 14 days to get across the Pacific. So we're not going to have this, although... Uh, I think uh, air freight items for a lot of the electronics that will uh, that will be impacted. But how I think it's impossible to predict at this point. Mark, I want to ask you about the the local markets here. We've seen a big um, sell off in the, in the last few weeks, really, which has accelerated in the last couple of days. Four and a half trillion U.S. dollars now being wiped from the value of mainland Chinese and Hong Kong shares since they peaked last year. What's gone wrong? Uh, uh, if, if you if you had to think that is uh, there is something gone wrong, uh, it, is, it is possible that uh, the uh, global investors ha- take a take an entirely different perspective to judge uh, the the whole situation, like uh, the 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 uh, attractiveness of Hong Kong. Uh, as reflecting the values, uh, uh, as, 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 as some, some kind of uh, uh, international financial uh, 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 city, uh, in, uh, especially in, in terms of the uh, mediating role uh, 
you know, because uh, you, you, you can see that the, uh, the tech stocks uh, in, in Hong Kong, basically they're, they're main, mainland Chinese enterprises uh, 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 to, to a very large extent. So you, you can see that uh, it, is a, it is attacked uh, from bo- both run. Uh, uh, from the uh, Western side, you can see that the, the impact from uh, the, the uh, interest rate hike and also from the other fronts with the regulatory or even uh, geopolitical tension-driven uh, 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 crisis or uncertainty. So basically, uh, I think uh, the, the, the expectations, uh, or you may say the pessimist, pessimistic expect, uh, expectations ha- has set in. Uh, but of course, uh, it is really hard uh, for uh, technical analysis or for the charities to say, okay, uh, this level is really, really um, uh, going to be, to be a very attractive level compared uh, to to what's happening, what's been happening in the past. Of course, we can take it as a reference, uh, but it, it, it may it may it may bottom for 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 any time soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, some kind of uh, a bottom fishing, some kind of uh, uh, that kind of bargain hunting is actually uh, ongoing, uh, uh, performing uh, to to a very large extent. Well, the, the Hang Seng Index and the Shanghai Composite Index now trade at just 1.1 times book value. That's even below now the lows we saw in the global financial crisis. Are you seeing good value now in, in local shares and, and mainland shares? Would you be a buyer? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, to a certain extent, uh, it is a, a, com- a comparative or you may say a relative uh, uh, valuation, uh, especially you can judge from the uh, experience in January or uh, for the first half of uh, February, uh, the Hong Kong, Hong Kong stock market uh, rebound nicely uh, compared to what's been happening in, 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 in the States. Uh, so it is uh, uh, some kind of relative ju- uh, uh, adjustment, uh, but of course um, it, it is it is more regional. It, it really can't uh, uh, really can't uh, resist the temptation to follow the the, the, the herd and to have that kind of uh, asset uh, devaluation caused by the increase in discount rate. Uh, it, it is uh, just uh, too global a phenomenon that the uh, Hong Kong uh, stock prices can really really disregard. Iris, how much uh, shares here and over the border being dragged lower by fears that China could get dragged into um, having Western sanctions imposed on them by the US? The FT was reporting yesterday uh, that China responded positively uh, to Russia's request for military and economic assistance, although China's foreign ministry has since denied that. But is this a big concern for investors that they could get dragged into the conflict and end up facing sanctions? Um, I think apart from apart from the Russia-related potential sanction, which I don't believe it will, re- it will, it will be realised, um, Chinese tech companies have been sanctioned um, somehow in the uh, by the U.S. putting into the entity list. So this is this is not really new for China, and um, we we don't think that um, uh, the Chinese yuan um, will be will be under sanctions in in that matters because it is just that China is keeping the economic ties. Export and import ties with Russia. I don't think that. Um, I, I don't even think that uh, there will be anything 
related to the conflict of Russia and Ukraine. Um, China always says that it is uh, staying neutral, and Russia has already uh, denied about the, this uh, rumors. So I, I, I don't I don't see an escalating risk there. Barry, is the U.S. Hey, prepared to? Jump? Yeah, I wanted to ask you: is, is the U.S. prepared to sanction China if it supports uh, Russia no, either no, economically? No, uh, at this stage, no. Uh, look, anything could happen, and uh, we don't really know what happened in those, what, seven hours of talks in Rome between uh, Jake Sullivan and uh, Yang Jiqi. I would just add to what both Iris and Mark were saying. Look, the United States investors finding China uninvestable, and you've got $200 billion of losses, and you've got this potentially delisting of all Chinese companies. You know, five were added to the, to the list, but, you know, there's a three-year lag time here. But essentially, I think those shares are going to move from New York to Hong Kong. Now, maybe that's good for Hong Kong, but uh, certainly the United States investor, I think, is going to be a shrunken entity in terms of investing in Chinese uh, companies. And how long do you think that will last for? Because it really reverses a very strong trend of the last couple of years of uh, the Chinese stock markets becoming more open to, uh, to foreign investment, being included in the MSCI indices. Has that now gone into reverse as far as U.S. investors are concerned? I regret to say that from my perspective, the answer is yes. Now, it could change. If there is some kind of revival in cooperation between the United States and China, uh, that could happen. But you've got measures in the Congress that would further punish China financially. And don't forget, this business about delisting, it comes from a 2020 law, the Hold Foreign Corporations Accountable Act, aimed right at China. So, so far, I'm afraid uh, there's nothing to be encouraged about in terms of U.S.-China financial cooperation. Iris and Mark, if, uh, if the Chinese markets are no longer going to get U.S. Um, investment, what, what does that do for, for the outlook for, for Chinese uh, stocks? Um, I, I'm not that sure that to what extent that uh, the, or what percentage that U.S. investors will, won't invest in, in uh, anything that has China in it. As um, uh, you said, um, uh, the Chinese um, assets are actually embedded in international indices. So um, unless they dump all the international indices, uh, they will still have some kind of China investment in it. Mark, what, what are your thoughts on the, on the impact of uh, U.S. investors basically saying uh, the market's uninvestable? Um, I tend to think that the, the listing, the whole crisis, is more like a last row. Uh, and what, what is more important for uh, company fundamentals or the uh, economic reality is that those uh, new tech stocks, uh, uh, to a very large, a very large extent, uh, is, is a part and parcel of the asset bubbles caused by the liquidity uh, in the past decade, uh, not just for, for, for the Chinese, econ uh, Chinese uh, enterprises, but also for the other, uh, other economies. But uh, given the uh, interest rate hike uh, for this year and next year, and also a reverse of the QE, uh, the, the whole thing uh, may set stage for for uh, more aggressive uh, devaluation of anything that is just um, uh, 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 just a lack of 
uh, fundamentals uh, to to a very uh, large extent. So at this moment, I think this is uh, this is uh, more like a last straw. Uh, rather than rather than uh, the the most important piece uh, of, of the puzzle, but of course uh, the, the listing itself may imply that uh, a, a less a liquid uh, situation for a secondary market, and it may affect, of course, the uh, valuation uh, to a very large extent. Okay, thank you all very much. You heard there, Mark Tso, managing director of asset management at Wing Fung Financial Group. Iris Pang, uh, Chief Greater China Economist at ING Wholesale Banking, and our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look for this morning around Asian stock markets. The SX200 in Australia showing a bit of a rebound, up about 0.6%. Uh, dedicated to five in Japan is up about 0.8%. Similar story for the Cosby. Uh, futures markets indicating a gain of about 500 points at the moment for the Hang Seng at the open. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is at uh, $99.62 a barrel right now. And gold is trading at $1,921 an ounce. Please do join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for Money Talk. The COVID update is coming up after the news with Jim Gordon and Anna Fenton. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, sunny intervals during the day, maximum temperature of around 26 degrees, one or two rain patches at night. The outlook, rather warm with sunny intervals during the day in the next few days. It's 21 degrees right now and the relative humidity is 75%. The Times 8.32. Here's Andrew Shorosky with the half-hour news. The hospital authority says a newly introduced antiviral could cut hospitalization and deaths by almost 90%. The drug will be given to high-risk COVID-19 patients with mild symptoms at designated clinics, elderly care homes, and public hospitals from today. Patients must take the Paxlovid pills manufactured by Pfizer within five days after their symptoms appear. Here's the director of the HA's Infectious Disease Center, Owen Chung. Paxlovid is really a game changer. For those infected elderly, if they are symptomatic, if they have mild symptoms to start with, they should get the oral medications. I think it's very important because this drug can effectively decrease the risk of getting severe disease and also prevent the patient from dying. So it's a very important drug that I think can reverse the change of the scenario that we're facing now. Meanwhile, health authorities have reported more than 27,000 new COVID cases and 228 COVID-related deaths. A top epidemiologist says despite the declining number of new coronavirus cases being recorded in Hong Kong, it is still not time to relax social distancing measures. Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health noted that more people had been seen moving around the SAR, which could slow the declining trend. But he told RTHK that there were many recovered COVID patients in the population who were unlikely to be reinfected. Professor Cowling also said a new antiviral pill that's arrived in Hong Kong could substantially reduce severe cases if given early enough. It looks very promising from the clinical trials. If it's given early, as early as possible, then from the clinical trials that there's an indication that it could substantially reduce the risk of severe disease. Now, if it's given to people after a few days of illness, after a week of illness, when they go to the hospital in a serious condition already, it won't work so well. It really has to be given very, very early. 
Foreign Minister Wang Yi has said that escalating sanctions imposed by the United States and Europe against Russia have worsened the difficulties in addressing a sluggish global economic recovery. Aaron Tam reports. Wang Yi said Western sanctions on Russia have damaged the people's livelihood of various countries. Speaking with Dutch Deputy Prime Minister Wupke Hoekstra, he called on all parties to do more to promote peace talks, not the opposite. He also pointed out that the top priority for the international community at the moment is to deal with a possible large-scale humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. Mr. Wang said the conflict will eventually end and said he hopes that European countries can sit down with Russia to discuss ways forward to achieve long-term stability in Europe. The prime ministers of Poland, the Czech